Here's the situation, Rush, and I hope you enjoy this, because uh, you get to be on a rerun of a game show we've mentioned before, Card Sharks. Ooh. Yeah. No, I like Card Sharks. You hate it. I, I, I don't like the mechanism of the of the game, but I, I'm hoping we enjoy this part, and I'll just leave it there for now. We'll, we'll just leave, we'll leave it without further explanation until the end. All right. Well, I am Rush Howell. I'm TJ Jagodowski. And this is Here's the Situation. It is a real podcast about hypothetical situations. And uh, today's theme, or this week's theme, TJ, is Cooler by the Numbers. Yep, Cooler by Numbers. Instead of like, you know, not Color by Numbers, but Cooler by Numbers. And we also left it open to ourselves for the the last word in that to be number as well, if, if we wanted to, to treat it that way. So There we go. So numb uh, or number. Uh, and as always, TJ, uh, I've prepared some situations to give to you. You've prepared some to give to me. We haven't heard these in the past. Correct. Uh, unless, unless there's a wild coincidence where, uh, some other friend of us brought the exact same situation to us. That seems unlikely. So we wouldn't have uh, given them the time of day. If they had, we would be like, what, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't have time for this shit. Leave me alone. Just hypothetical situations. Get out of here. I'm I got, I got kidnapped by an eccentric billionaire. Get out of here, you jerk. I, I'll That's take right. I'll take that from one person and one person only. Yes. Now, <laughs> uh, are you ready to get you ready to get cracking? I got a little bit of an odd one right off right off the jump. I love it, Rush. We pride ourselves on being a, a podcast that gets right into it. That's right. So no more uh, chit chat. Just pop pop one up. Yeah. So now one and a half minutes into this, we'll get right into it. <laughs> Uh, so TJ, you are on a game show that's called By the Numbers. That's okay. B-U-Y. Oh, okay. So you get to what it is is you buy numbers, mm. and uh, you come on, and it's like, okay, here you are. You're on By the Numbers. As always, you know the rules, but I'm gonna repeat them. <laughs> As always, there are three contestants, and you have a hundred dollars each. Okay. Okay, and uh, each of you gets to bid as many dollars as you want on each number. One to a hundred, uh, up to your total of one hundred dollars. So you could put a hundred dollars on one number. You could put one dollar on uh, every number from one to one hundred. Ah. Um, and the catch to it is, uh, once we finish, you are never allowed to use any of the numbers that you didn't win at auction. Wow. For the rest of for for the rest of the a month. So we put you to a tough month where you can't say or write any of the numbers that you didn't win. So you got to decide which numbers are the most important to you to own in your life. And here, here, we got three contestants. We got Skip Pedrosian mm. from, uh, from uh, uh, New Rochelle. We got Mary Lamb from uh, Rancho Palos Verdes. Okay. And uh, we have Thomas uh, Jagodowski from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Yep. Originally and, from Holyoke, uh, Massachusetts. I'll always, right. always mention it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, cur- currently reside in Chicago. Uh, big uh, says here, not a huge Cubs fan. No, uh, no. Uh, says here, uh, only wears t-shirts from hometown. Refuses to wear Chicago-based t-shirts. Is that right? Representing the O one O four O right now, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, every one of your uh, bio things that you gave me uh, specifically references uh, Holyoke or Massachusetts, <laughs> and uh, often goes out of your way to uh, take a shot at Chicago. So. What up? What up, Yoke? What up, Yoke? <laughs> but now, so uh, so uh, Thomas, uh, Skip, 
Mary, you all know the rules. I, I do, yeah, uh, but I do. But just for everyone else and viewers at home, um, can I ask you two two quick questions? When you say that we cannot use the number, um, would would we be able to use it? Still use it like if we were putting in a phone number or whatever? If could we still use it in that way? We just can't say it or write it. And also, what about uh, homo homophones? Um, um, uh, I'm asking specifically about the second digit. Homophones are homophones are okay. Okay. You cannot intentionally try yep. to uh, confuse somebody by saying two and meaning two. You okay. can say two and mean to. You can say two and mean too. But you can't say two and mean to. And you can't write this number and you can't say it intentionally for uh, for a full month. Now, if if you get charged something and you have to pay that amount, you can still do that. Okay. Uh, overall, it's pretty frustrating because these numbers will not be available to you uh, for a full month. Okay. So with that in mind, go ahead and grab your scratch paper and yep. write down uh, how much you're, you're allotting. I'm good. Uh, for each number. You're good? Yep. Okay. And here's the catch. You got to be, you got to, you have to bid the most. Any ties lose. You okay. got to bid the most. Any ties lose. Right? Everybody knows the rules. And so here we go. Uh, you've written yours down. So hold on. I didn't know. I didn't know ties. I didn't know ties lost. Give me, give me one, give me one second to figure something out. No problem. I'll just, uh, we'll run a clip of the uh, hilarity that ensued, uh, uh, several years ago when we had celebrity by the numbers (laughs) with Willard Scott, uh, Willard Scott. Uh, this is, it never happened before. It's never happened since, but, uh, all all three of our panelists, Willard Scott, Howard. Okay. I think I'm good. Oh, well, I, 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 the anecdote ha- must be finished. And Dame Dame Judy Dench, the three of them, all three bid one hundred dollars on the same number, oh. seventeen, which is each of theirs' birthday or maybe a child's birthday. I'm not sure, but they all did a hundred and seventeen. Anyway, uh, we're back. We're live uh, now. Uh, Mr. Jagodowski, would you like to hear the others first and then give yours, or would you like to give yours first? I guess we'll I'll. I, I guess I'll give mine first, just to be okay. to be fair. I'm going to bid a dollar and one cent on every number from one to 99. Wow. <laughs> Ooh. Well played because you just iced Mary Lamb. <laughs> Mary Lamb went with the, uh, the classic but poor play. Of one dollar each. Ah. <laughs> and you learning about the ties. Wow. Uh, so Mary, you get uh, you actually get none of them because on one hundred, Skip Pedrosian put down four dollars there. So Mary Lamb was uh, zeroed out. Here's what Skip Pedrosian bid: he bid twenty one dollars on the number one. Wow! So to Skip to be able to have number one, he also will control. He'll, he gets one, two through five, eight through fifteen, sixteen, uh, seventeen, nineteen. Well. Maybe an easier way to put it is he gets two through twenty-one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, he gets one through twenty-one. Uh, twenty-five, thirty, forty, fifty, thirty-three, seventy-five, ninety-nine, and one hundred. Okay. Uh, his bids were twenty-one dollars on one, two dollars on two through five, eight through fifteen, uh, seventeen, nineteen, twenty-five, thirty, and forty. Five dollars each on seven, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, and twenty-one. And four dollars each on fifty, seventy-five, thirty-three, ninety-nine, and one hundred. Okay. So that leaves you with every other number. Uh, and Mary Lamb, I'm sorry, oh. you got uh, you got one cented, as we say here on by the 
We've seen it happen before. The worst is when somebody else comes in, does a dollar and two cents on every number through like uh, 93 and uh, hoses you. But well, well played. Uh, yeah, I, I I figured if I ended up just with a bunch of different, even like random numbers, if I had to get it across to someone, I could say like, I would like 98 minus 97 of those that I could, yeah. you know, I could ask them to do some very simple math to help, to help me out. They would wonder why, you know, I, I would, I wasn't saying I just want one, um, but that I could kind of get my way around to just about every other number if I ended up with with a fairly a fairly widespread and a lot uh, and a lot of them love to ask the contestants if it had been for the rest of your life instead of just a month any changes or you go with the more or less the same game plan i think i think i go with the same i think i go with the same plan uh, you know maybe i maybe i would go in and skip like i would do you know a dollar and one on everything including a hundred and just leave out like number 46 or something like that you know maybe um, well, you now own forty six. That is uh, as, as, not available to skip or marry that's mine. next month. <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be buying forty six of a lot of things. You know. That's ah. right. That's right. Uh, you won't. You don't get to use any number twenty one or lower. That's a little <laughs> that's, rough. Yeah, it is. That's a little rough. That was... Doing a, a whole lot of counting. <laughs> you, you, you've really been you've been hit hard on the most used numbers. Those seem to be. Skip, Skip is thrilled. He got every number that he bid on. Murray is uh, <laughs> not. distraught. He's distraught. I'm glad I listened. I'm glad I did listen to the rules, even though I knew them. That because uh, uh, if if I hadn't, I, I really I, I would would have entirely botched that last thing. I would have. It was. It would, it would just been a, a ton of dead numbers, and then Skip would have had all of his. Right. That's how yeah. it would have gone. Yeah. We we had this uh, this class at Princeton that, that I didn't take that I always thought this was fascinating. So it was a it was a game theory. It was like a logic class. Maybe it wasn't game theory, but whatever it was, it was in that line of classes. And uh, on the first class, um, you came in and the teacher told everybody to write down a number. If I if I said this on the podcast, I don't. Before, I, mean, I, I don't think so. I hope, I hope I haven't. But a teacher asked everybody to write down a number between zero and ten dollars. And the catch was there were, there were two rules. Um, the first was whatever number you wrote down, you had to have it on your person because you had to pay that amount. So you, you were you were out that amount of money no matter what, and you would you would pay it into to a collection at the front of the class. And then the second rule was whoever wrote down the most money, so whoever put in the most, got all of the money back. Huh. Okay. So. So he, the, the teacher does this. Also, no repeats, yeah. though, or did he say that, or no what? No repeats. If if you like, otherwise, yeah, you just get to write down one number one only. You sign your name, write it down, pass them all in. Then he reads them all out, and you got to come up and pay the amount. So this this is how he started his like logic class, very first thing. And uh, my friend Jeff Densky was in that class, and. Jeff wrote down like a dollar and one cent. I think he had a penny on him. So he writes down a dollar and one cent or whatever. And in his class, there was a guy that wrote down $10 and 25 cents. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is important. Uh, I I, I got this totally wrong. So I thought you couldn't go above $10. And I was thinking like, why didn't anybody just write down everybody write down $10? Well, you could write down any number that you wanted. But whoever bid the highest got t- ten dollars. So the, the teacher holds oh. up a ten dollar bill. 
Okay. He says, I got a $10 bill. I'm going to give it away to whoever okay. writes down the highest number. The catch is you have to pay me whatever you write down, whether you win or lose. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, that's how it works. So the teacher says, you know, write down any number. You got to pay that to me. Uh, but whoever writes down the highest number gets $10. So Jeff Dinsky, my friend, writes down a dollar and one cent. Somebody in the class writes down $10.25 just to screw other people in the class, right? He's giving away a quarter. Yep. And that guy finished third. No kidding. So, yeah. So so another guy wrote down ten fifty, and somebody else wrote down $11. So anyway, what the teacher does is he collects all that money. And the lesson is that like these kind of blind bidding scenarios are a no-win situation. He's like, there's only one correct answer there because the class is like 80 to 100 people. You got to write down zero. There's no way for yeah. you to uh, prepare against outliers and so forth and so on. So the, that's the, the logically correct answer is to write down zero. And then he does like a proof of why that's right. Because the guy who actually wrote down $11 did better than your buddy. Right? Because your uh, buddy correct. had to pay in the buck the buck and the penny. Correct. But the guy that wrote down $10.50 did, you know, right. 10 times and, and a little bit more worse than my buddy. But yeah, he was like, a dollar or a dollar one cents a total waste. You know, you're throwing it away. You're lighting it on fire. So, um, and then at the end of the at the end of the class, because he co- he collects like two hundred dollars every year on this thing, and he just puts it in an envelope. And then at the end of the class, there's a tradition where you you uh, applaud for the lecturer uh, as they walk out. Um, and so, what his rule was: whoever's the last person standing still applauding gets all of the money in the thing. It's like hands on a hard body, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the car. And it's like, it's like a test to see if anyone's learned anything over the course of the class, because you should just, it's like, you should clap for three seconds. And get out. You get out of there. You have no idea. And every year there's people clapping like seven to 10 oh. hours Well, th- I'm I'm going to start with kind of a discussion one, I think, Rush. Um, and okay. so cooler by numbers made me think of a thermostat. And then that made me think of the phrase, the temperature, the temperature in the room. So um, here's the situation. Rush, you've mentioned before that if you see a judge laugh, and if people don't know, you're you're an attorney, that if you see a judge laugh at something, you say there's uh, you get a higher level of comfort when you're when you're giving an argument. Um, and as an improviser, you also needed to display a basic like read of the room. So let's say you've diligently prepared an oral argument. On the day you are to present, you walk into court and get a very cold or especially vibrant temperature in the room from the judge or the jury, depending on whether it's a a bench trial or or a jury trial. How much will that affect what you what you present? Will all the text of what you wrote be the same but delivered differently? Would you ever omit something because it doesn't fit the mood of the room? And in general, how important is reading the temperature of the room to a successful argument on your behalf, do you think? I think it's pretty important, and I would I would likely make significant edits if, if I had a strong read. I would have to be confident in my read. Because you you certainly don't want you know to be um, ducking at shadows or whatever the cliche is, right? You know, um, so so I I wouldn't I would need like a, a good sense of it. But if um, if I got a sense that a judge uh, fundamentally disagreed with kind of a basic uh, tentpole of an argument that I had. 
um, I, I might have to shift and put a lot more attention in the argument to that point, right? Because it's a gating item. And if I can't get through that, then I'm, then I'm just hosed. I, I think, um, I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of stories that, that I've had from, you know, oral argument is probably on the whole overrated, right? Like more, nine times out of 10, I think the judge knows, uh, what they're going to do with or without the oral argument. And the oral argument is, is superfluous. Um, now, you know, every now and then though, I've, I've seen an oral argument that's, you know, worth its weight in gold because it, it, there was a true shift during a closing argument. You know, you turn somebody, uh, usually a judge, my experience is, is way more with judges than juries. Uh, but I do have some with, with juries and, and I think juries are, um, you know, you got, you got up to 12 people. So maybe you have one or two that are more emotive than the average judge, but I also think judges are so used to this and they're a little more willing to kind of, I mean, they're allowed to share their opinions along the way during the argument, whereas the jury, you have to read them. You know, that's one tough thing about the jury. You can't talk to them. Um, Right. They're, you can't have a dialogue. You can with a judge. So a judge can say, yeah, but what about this? And you say, oh, in your head, you go, ah, OK. So that's that's what that's what I have to have to convince uh, him on this point or her on this point, um, it, which is extremely helpful, because sometimes you're just piling on some point. You're already winning. to gotcha. a jury, And what they really care about is something that you didn't you didn't think was really in dispute or whatever. So. And so the judge saying something like that is putting a torch in the path that you now th- feel like you can follow that line of reasoning or that that line of thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I had a friend who was in, giving a closing argument and and the judge um, made a made a comment which indicated that he had he had uh bought into an argument that the other side was making um, that the, the other side had basically conceded uh, at, at, a, at a later point in like, uh, you know, in, in, in some briefing, right? Like, so they had made it like in an early day on the trial and, and the judge, very good judge, just for whatever reason, hadn't focused on that one point and was like, yeah, but what about this? And, and my partner basically had to say, ah, okay, I have to change this entirely because I got to go back and re-win this point that I already thought I had one, but I had not. Gotcha. And my next argument doesn't make any sense. Now, it, it, so, so with young lawyers, right, um, we have a lot of very talented young lawyers who, if, if, you just, if they're allowed to just give their speech, it's going to be a home run. Because they've written it, they've practiced it, they've really thought it through, and they're ready to go. But then when the judge says, I don't agree with that, uh, okay. they go into Pass over tea kettle, yeah. Or they just say, well, if uh, understood, Your Honor, totally understood, thank you. But um, I, I just would like to make a couple more points. And either they just stay on their same presentation, which is not effective, because you're not, address, you're not re- grappling with the, the question that you need to or they 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 go into a shell right and they just say okay well i understand your honor and you know i'm not i'm i i, I don't want to belabor the point and you know i just want to say this is what we think but of course we respect you know and they just kind of give up right and it's a very hard thing not to do that very hard thing because you're up there 
you know, there might be a hundred people in the courtroom and the, the one person that matters just told you that they think you're wrong. And it's a mark of a really, really effective oral advocate. If you can still get anywhere in that situation. And so if you read the room and you know, the thing is stacked against you, um, you know, you, you have to, I, in my opinion, you, you normally still want to, to fight and see, see if you can get at why you're losing and then try to try to turn the, uh, the judge on, on that. But all, all of that is, um, is very difficult because as I said, most of the time, you know, the judges already listened to days of testimony. Judges usually already read briefs, uh, read, um, you know, read the law and is very thoughtful. I mean, judges, I'm very lucky. I'm in, I'm mostly in bankruptcy courts and the judges I'm in front of are, uh, basically uniformly very smart, very good. And so that that's part of what makes the oral argument fun is they, they will usually respect you. You will, you will almost always respect them. And so there can be like some give and take, but if you just see that they're angry or frustrated with you, you got to figure out how to shift that attitude because if you don't, you're just going to get slammed. This, this goes against, uh, it's kind of a bummer, man. It goes against everything we've learned on TV that like reading the room is not the most important thing that it actually comes down to the law and, uh, and legal argument. This is, it's kind of a bummer. I know. I know. It's, it's, there's very little of the like, Perry Mason, you know, where you you flip the uh, witness on the stand, and they just or it all or up. some dude from the gallery just hops up and admits it all. Mason could get you if you were if you were within a couple hundred yards of the oh, yeah. of the courtroom. He he could get you to to cop to it. Yeah, I've done that a few times. I mean, I've gotten people <laughs> to stand up in front of the uh, from the audience and admit to uh, uh, you know I actually committed this corporate espionage uh, or, or what have you. But yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting one. And I mean, you know, I, I I'm trying to get better at it and because my natural thing is, you know, the judge, when you see the judge who's an authority figure, you know, and she's angry with you, you just, you feel like, Oh, I'm supposed to try to please her, you know, and like do a good job with this. And she's just not buying what I have to say. And, uh, you know, I had one where I really thought we were in the right and the judge just, it was a judge in Virginia and he just didn't want to hear it at all. And, um, I had to figure out basically how to like, I I was actually kind of proud of it. I had to figure out almost how to like filibuster around long enough on some topics that weren't going to really frustrate him that I could kind of start to try to Trojan horse in like what I really wanted to do. And, you know, he, I mean, we, he, he didn't rule for us, but he, he at least like kind of sent us, sent us out to go try to settle it with, with the other side, which is what we should have done anyway. I give, so, anyway. I, I give, uh, I give our dog a piece, uh, you know, a piece or two of Turkey without a pill in it before I put, give her the one with the pill in it, you know? So I, I get oh. it. <laughs> there you go. But you know, from, I mean, maybe not, you, you, you had far less terrible improv scenes than I did, but I, I had enough where there, there are just some shows where, that show's going to suck no matter what it's it's stale and bad from the beginning to the end of the improv show. And there are times you go in there and you are, you are a sacrificial lamb and you know, it, frankly, and those times, sometimes you just got to read the room and say, 
I'm going to take a loss here. So how can I yeah. do it in a way that enhances my credibility? Right. When, like when this we were judge is for sure going to rule against me, I can either argue with him for 10 minutes and make him think that I'll just say anything, you know, for my client to try to win. Or maybe I can, maybe I can, uh, t- take the loss gracefully on this one so that there'll be more respect that, that I'm only going to fight hard on the ones where I think I'm right. When, when, uh, when we were doing eight shows, uh, a week, uh, you know, you do, you do, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday and Sunday every week. And everyone, everyone who, who went through, went through second city down there knew the, the worst show of the week was always the late show on Friday. It was always, you were just, you were just going to get gobbled up. It was, um, it was after a long work week. It was people who probably went out to happy hour after work to, you know, to get the night going. And then by the time they got there, what did we do? Eight and 11. I think by the time they got there at 11, they were, they were just beat tapioca tired or angry you know or, or what have you or we're just ready for the week to be over so that you, you just knew you were going to get you were you were going to get crushed late on friday yeah and i remember when i would have friends coming down and they'd want to go to second city it would often be like friday yeah second show and i'm like we're not we're not gonna yeah, we're not gonna the do wrong that, time. you know but yeah rough it's starting any show at, at uh at 11 oh, o'clock on a big, on a big party night is uh, not a great time. Wrong move. Yeah. All right. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, still on Cooler by the Numbers. Yes. Uh, TJ, this is just kind of a nice little pleasant one here. Oh, good. Um, so here's the situation. Uh, you're invited to uh, the magazine. Uh, it's one of the airline magazines. You can pick whichever one. Okay. And they have a little thing that they say, a perfect day packing, perfect day packing. And what, what, what this feature does is it picks various types of, of, uh, one day getaways and asks people to come in and say, what, what's the perfect thing to pack for that? And the one they come uh-huh. to you with is they say, you're going to pack a cooler and a basket. That's okay. what you get a cooler and a basket to take with you to a, a park. You're going to head out there uh, at about 2.30, in the afternoon, and you're going to stay through dinner and a little while longer. And I want you to lay out for me uh, all you got is about what can fit into a, you know, a basic carry cooler and a basic carrying basket. What, what for you is going to be a perfect set of things? And it can be, you know, it doesn't have to all be foodstuffs, right? It's, it's what yep. you're going to take out for a, um, let's call it a, uh, a nice summer evening in Chicago. Okay. Well, you know, Rush, and uh, we're, we're going to say we're sponsored by this. Uh, we are not. We are not sponsored by these people, but we are going to say that we are sponsored by them. And you know this is going to be in my cooler because I am going to have a sixer of Polar Club soda in my cooler, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Um Orange vanilla, black cherry. I, I I don't care. I don't care. But give me give me a sixer of ice cold Polar Club soda in the in the cooler. Um, I'm not big on eating, so I'm going to skip to some of the basket items right now. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're starting. We got some uh, 
We got a nice, uh, cool set of sparkling water. Yes. And now we're going, and we're going to load up the cooler with the, the other non-food items that couldn't I'm, fit into the basket. I'm going to, right. <laughs> so this is what I'm pretty sure we can fit. We can fit into the basket for sure. We can get a blanket and a book in the basket, and I want, I want both, I want both, both of those in there. Um, if it's a pretty decent sized basket, I don't, I don't drink, I don't drink booze anymore, so I don't need room for like a wine bottle and wine glasses, which I think a lot of people probably probably would if i can get two ball mitts two infielder mitts in there and a baseball i i would i would put that in my basket i that's that's a a, a, a phenomenal activity if you're not so inclined throw a frisbee in there or something something along those lines that you can you can have can some active fun not to put in a roby in there uh yeah yes uh, unless <laughs> unless you go with some sort of like desert dog who can run 300 <laughs> yards in the piping hot sun <laughs> if you get your hands on a saluki maybe go ahead and grab grab an in a roby um trackball i don't know if anyone remembers trackball but if you can get a trackball set in there go ahead and do that that is a great game oh my god i spent so much time as a kid just throwing in a roby and then walking a long way to pick it up <laughs> so because far. could never get it even remotely on my uh, so we got your trackball you got your two your two mitts you got a baseball you got some a, uh a some book. just one book so you're not sharing the book it's no just one. no it's just my book um some red some red licorice some nice, mm. nice red licorice in there. Um, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, I, I still like. I know people always like pack cheese and crackers. That seems like a heavy summer, a heavy summer snack. I know you're going to disagree because you. I, I think you would say cheese anytime, any day is a yeah, good is 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 great. Um, Love it. So crackers. Um, oh, some hummus. We can throw some. Um, I'm more of a like a hummus guy. So I might get like a. Oh, you know what? A Mediterranean themed dip uh, selection. Hummus. There you go. Uh, baba ganoush. There's a there's a nice like potato garlic dip that I don't know the name of, but um, but I've had at uh, at Mediterranean restaurants. You can get some of that. Some pita in your in your basket. Um, some people like olives. I happen to, so we can have maybe a, a med, a med theme run through, run through our, a our med, snacks. Like, yeah. That's great. That's, that's great. Perfect. Uh, uh, yeah. Some pita olives, those dips. I think that's all you're going to need. Cause I don't think we're not going to, we're not going to have dinner. We're not going to try and, uh, uh, accommodate a dinner in the, in the park. So I think those things, those, those snacks, the sweets with the licorice, I think, are good. I don't want to worry about like a chocolate or whatever melting or having to keep that cool and wet in the cooler. So I think those activities and those med snacks, I think, are were probably are probably my my perfect park day. What do you think about throwing a pint of ice cream in there? That's not going to get too messed up by uh, if, if, the, if the ice melts a little bit. Yeah, you know, if 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 whoever I'm going with wants that, I'm not going to worry about. I'm not I'm not going to put it there because I'm going to start worrying about that thing melting from 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 the top you know i'm probably gonna you have to eat i'm gonna like feel like i might need to eat that as soon as i get there so it doesn't that doesn't soup <laughs> up on me so <laughs> so i think yeah i think we're just gonna go cool with the with the savories we'll go unrefrigerated with with the sweets and then you know read as the sun goes down if because you probably beat you know and had some good sun from playing playing frisbee or trackball or baseball and then uh, yeah and then and then just and enjoy What's your park in Chicago you're picking for this uh, this evening? Um, maybe, maybe I might go out to Portage. 
I played some okay. baseball there for the first time this year, and it's big, and there was no one, nobody around. Uh, we had our pick a ball field, so I might go out to Portage Park. All right. All right. Great. All right, Rush, here's the situation for you. Rush, you started Rush's Index of Cool. So this is cooler by numbers. It's basically a pH scale for your opinion on coolness that runs from plus 10 on the cool side to minus 10 on the uncool side, zero being neutral cool. Uh, It's your first set of indices, so you've decided to begin with things that in the past have been considered classically cool or uncool. So this is your system, though, and doesn't need to conform with the traditional classifications. All righty. Okay. So I'm going to give you a quality or an object, and you you place it on Rush's index of cool from anywhere be, uh, from plus ten to minus ten. You got it. Here's your first one: Ray-Ban sunglasses. Seven. I think Ray-Ban sunglasses are pretty cool. Okay. They're probably about a seven in normal life, maybe. Okay. And that's where I'm going to put them. Crying. Crying. Yeah. I'm not big on crying. Um, but is it cool? I don't think it's cool. Uh, so I'm going to give it a negative two. Okay, negative two. Um, denim jackets. I think, ooh, ooh, negative uh, four. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. The redefinition of cool on that one, you know, that's that's often been a cool item, I would, I would, I would have thought. Well, I feel like the Fonz pulled off the leather jacket, and I would put leather jackets up there. But denim jackets, I mean, I mean, maybe like in the '80s, cool. But I, I feel like most denim jackets, I don't, I don't think people are wearing a lot of denim jackets. But since you mentioned him by name, and he's on my list, Fonzie, cool, uncool. Yeah, Fonzie's like a ten, right? Okay, you got him still, still, still cool. Yeah, I mean, in part because Henry Winkler ended up like a fun guy, you know, who was great on like uh, Arrested Development and a few other things later in life, great. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm Barry now. Winkler, I haven't but... seen it, but I hear Barry is quite good. How about um, settling down and having a family? Cool. Cool. Uh, it's going to depend on your age a bit, right? Um, overall, probably. Um, Probably like a zero. Okay. It's a pretty neutral thing. Like it, at times it's very cool. At times it seems kind of square, I guess. So, okay. So we're putting it at a zero. This is, this is often seemed kind of, I think, on the square side. How about emotional depth? Emotional depth. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, just a quick tangent is that, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would describe myself as, certainly a nerd you know um love uh games video games board games love like posing hypothetical situations to my friends uh, <laughs> wait a minute podcasts. wait a minute does this mean um, i'm does this mean i'm a nerd yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. this is this, shit this, really this is like a negative 10 uh, yeah, this is a you waited. Game. You waited over a year to break but, this to me. This is this has been a this has been a real slow play on your behalf. This whole this whole podcast has been so you can tell me break the news to me that that I'm a nerd. Damn. Yeah. So anyway, we're done. So Thank everyone, you. it took longer than I thought, but I just <laughs> I had, I had slow to build courage. Everyone in school was uh, right. Yeah, but so look, I mean, I think that like 
the, the, the cool, I, and I don't know whether it's like culturally true or just as you get older, it's true, but I feel like nerd cool has become cooler. And then there's like backlash mm-hmm. against nerd cool. And then there's like nerds. It turns out like a lot of them are like super horrible bullies and terrible people. And, and, uh, so then nerd cool is becomes less cool and whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I do think like, as I get older, I mean, if I'm really doing it actually on my scale, I mean, I'm going to say emotional depth is like a 10. Okay. Like I, I mean, it's very uncool, uh, very uninteresting to me for anybody not to have emotional depth. Great. Great. How about being the lead singer of a band? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, I'm not even a band person and it's still a 10. Okay. I mean, it's just, there's nothing. That's like, that's like the Fonz. That's a stereotype for cool, and I agree with it. Okay. This one goes to something you were just saying. In- intelligence. Cool? Uncool? Yeah, I mean, it's moved up, right? Like, as a kid, it was a negative, and, and you know, at times it was like a nine or an eight or whatever. But I think that the paradigm has shifted back a little bit. I'm going to say intelligence is like a three. Okay. It's better to have it than not, but it ain't that cool. Smoking? Uncool. Uncool. I think, uh, to what? I think smoking is is drastically changed. Uh, have you you probably haven't Did you seen Twenty One Jump Street? No. The movie. So Twenty One Jump Street, uh, pretty good. Uh, Channing uh, Tatum and uh, Jonah Hill. Not a big Jonah Hill fan. Did enjoy this movie quite a bit. But one of the best bits about it is like Channing Tatum is they're, they're trying to pretend they're like high schoolers, even though they're way too old <laughs> to be high schoolers. And um, Channing Tatum, like, went to high school in the 90s or whatever. And back then, like, it was cool not to care. And it was everybody, like, it was cool to just use one strap on your backpack and and everything else and, uh, you know, be whatever, uh, be a dick. And then they go to school and all the kids are, like, much more, like, woke. And the kids are, like, then they all have, like, two straps on their backpack. And they all they all do really well in school, and like getting AIDS is cool, and it's really uncool not to. And uh, so that was just a fun bit throughout that throughout <laughs> that movie. But I think that that made me think about smoking is like that that definitely happened. Like it used to be, it was like when I was a kid, it was cool to smoke. Like I, I wouldn't have had any interest in it except like people were doing it that were the cool kids. And now I feel like smoking, you're like a pariah. So I'm going to say it's like a negative six now. Okay. How about belief in God? Uh, I think belief in God. Uh, I, th- I think uh, I think it's it's generally viewed as kind of uncool. Like you think about like youth camps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so not saying I, I would agree with this, but I think people would put that in you know on the uncool side of the scale, like a like a negative four. Okay. How about being the captain of your sports team? Hmm. Six. Okay. Safety? Negative seven. Okay. Here's the uh, here's the one you mentioned earlier. The leather jacket. Still think the leather jacket, if you can pull it off, if you can pull off the leather jacket, it's still cool. I mean, it's probably, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit on this because like on about half of them, I'm answering what I think people think and on half of them, I'm answering <laughs> okay. what I think so. Apologies. This is Rush's. This is Rush's index of cool. So this is whether you think it's cool or not. I know, but there's there's some where I've answered for the people. Um, but <laughs> on that one, I'm going to say I, I think a leather jacket is still pretty cool. I'm going to go with a six. Okay, 
Um, how about like a hot rod car or, you know, a muscle car or something like that? Uh, I think like, uh, I think like a, like a Italian sports car is, is cool. Uh, I think a hot rod, like muscle car, uh, is not, not as much for me. So I'll give like a, a three to the kind of like Mustang Corvette line. Okay. And the last one for Rush's index of cool, cooler by the numbers. How about science? 10. 10? Oh, Very cool. Very cool. All right. So your three your three tens were emotional depth, being the lead singer of a band, and science, brother. There we go. And, <laughs> and the funds was like a nine or ten. Thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Funds was yeah. Funds was a ten. Sorry. I, I'm written. Well, right. too All right. Good stuff. Um, I'm going to go back to numbers. All right, TJ. Here's the situation. All right, buddy. I'm going to give you a series of numbers. And I want you just to tell me the thing you associate most with each of these numbers. Oh, okay. Sounds okay. good. Very so cool. It can be whatever kind of comes to mind, but just want to hear what you what you think about when you think of each of these numbers. And we've got about, I don't know, 10 or 15 of them will do. Okay. All right. First, the number seven. Seven dwarves. All right. Uh, the number 21, what, what comes to mind there? Oh, always and only blackjack. Then I guess age of age of majority at that point, but yeah, blackjack will will is absolutely first. Yeah, blackjack first. Absolutely. Seven and craps did not come up. You got the door doors over craps, but blackjack <laughs> over uh, drinking uh, age. Uh, Twenty five. Twenty five. Quarter. That was okay. the first thing I thought of. But actually, I'm sorry. The, that was my main sports number. Oh really? The the actually the first thing I thought of was the legal ages at which you can start to like rent cars or um, like hotel rooms, but then I wasn't sure that that was the number. So so it, it, the quarter wasn't the first thing I thought of. It was the first like definite thing I thought of. The other thing I was unsure of was the it was yeah, the actual first I'm thing that came in. Not necessarily saying first thing that comes to mind, but the thing most prevalent for you on this. On this one. So if a more prevalent one shoots in as you're thinking, you're welcome to, okay. to take that. Uh, tw- 25 was the number that I wore all through uh, junior high. And ah. so, uh, 31 was the number that I then wore in high school and like college stuff. Thirty And 31, if you ask me, I would think of the months of the, the months of the year, if you if you are posing that one. 31. So not Baskin Robbins. We're going with months of the year, <laughs> mm-hmm. of which there are 12. No, uh, but I mean the days that the days and yeah. I know, I know. yeah I know. Thirty-one days. <laughs> right, I, I just love I love two years and seven months. That's 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 my unit of time. That's what I call. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like you know, fortnights are fun, and the <laughs> right. other things that are fun are the two year seven months. Two years seven months, man. Where were you that you that two year and seven months? <laughs> yeah, we need a name for that. Um, next up is fifty. 50, the United States. Yep, makes sense. 13. 13. One of my very favorite, one of my very favorite numbers. What what it makes me think of is that when I found out the number 13 was supposed to be unlucky, I decided that it was going to be a good number for me. It was like a minor contrarian thing that I wasn't, I wasn't going to be afraid of broken mirrors and black cats. I walked under ladders on purpose for a while. This was probably fourth or fifth grade um that that age time 
Um, and so that's 13 brings to mind that contrarian bent and that I still to this day think of 13 as a good number for me. Nice. So is that true kind of generally for, for other, like, I don't like uh, seven and you're not. Yeah. Well, I hate seven because of the, you know, I play a fair amount of craps Mm -hmm. and seven is a swear word (laughs) on the craps table, but, um, are, are you still the same with those other traditions too? Like you're not superstitious with respect to any kind of I, unlucky stuff. I don't, I don't mind black cats at all. I don't, I don't mind m- mirrors. Uh, I don't walk under ladders anymore just as a safety issue. Um, I don't sure. want, I don't want anyone else to get hurt and I want something falling <laughs> on my head, but in general, right. I don't find the classic superstitions do anything, do anything for me. Stepping on cracks or salt, knocking salt over or what any, you know, any of those, any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah. Don't walk under ladders is bad luck. It's a little like saying, like, don't exit like a plane that's moving. (laughs) Right. Like, I get it. It's bad luck. Don't walk under. Bad uh, luck is going to be you knock the ladder over and someone, including you, gets hurt. Don't walk under a piano that's being hauled up the side of a building by uh, by old rope. (laughs) Yeah. Don't try to get in the way of an avalanche. Bad luck. Don't, don't, Uh, Don't grab recently unplugged irons. Yeah, hey, uh, number 27. 27. Um, buddy, without taking too long, I don't think it does anything for me. I don't have... Nothing. I don't have any, uh, any attachment. I don't have any attachment to it. Um, nothing, yeah. nothing comes to mind. Me neither. I, I, I wanted to throw in a couple, a little bit of an eyeball. Yeah, it just feels like a dead, uh, dead number. I own it. I think I I think I own it and can use it whenever I want to, right? It's that's what it means to me. It's one of my dollar dollar and a penny numbers, I believe. That's right. You yeah. Skip uh, Skip skip has twenty five and thirty. You got <laughs> in between. Right that's what it means to me. Exclusive usage for a month. There you go. One oh one, hundred and one. Mm, Dalmatians can't avoid it. Ninety nine. 99. Ah, unfortunately, I went right to the... Uh, I think it's because they play during Red Sox games. Um, 99 Steakhouse, always a good deal. There's a, there's a like, a, I think a steakhouse chain called 99. Okay. And that's, I, I believe. If not, that's still where, where my, where my, where my head went. 75. 75. Hmm. I, I got, I... I can't. My head went first to three quarter, three quarters, uh, and and more, and as the change, not as the percentage, um, and I'm having trouble getting off of it. So I guess I got to stick with, stick with that. Yeah, bottom line is you love quarters. You know, <laughs> I do. I do love. <laughs> I do love coin. I love coin. Uh, thirty three. Thirty three. Larry Bird. I thought I hoped you would. Yeah. Uh, would you prefer? Uh, I may have asked you this before. Would you prefer the U.S. go to a, a dollar coin? I would. Like the euro. I'd love. I'd love that. I'd love. Uh, I, in fact, next week I have just a uh, because it was it was on my mind. I have a a brief thing for you about 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 coin. I I like I like the I like the hand feel. I think we. I think I probably mentioned to you like I like the hand feel of a like a, a solid weighty piece of of metal like a pocket watch yeah. or a you know a real uh, my grandmother 
my bachi, um, who I don't, I don't think I, I, I really talk about. She was, she was, um, my Polish grandmother, a lovely lady, and she would go, uh, regularly down to New Jersey. She would take, they would take the shuttle down to Jitney, uh, to get to Harrah's, and they would play the slot machines. And this was when slot machines still used halves and, you know, an actual coin. And she'd always bring us back a half dollar from it, from Atlantic city. So to this day in the desk, right, right to my left, I have a, a little box of Bocce's old, uh, old half dollars. Uh, and I still love, still love the hand feel of a big, good, solid coin. I love that. Great story. And I, I there's <laughs> a, uh, there's a board game company that's just made a few games it's called chip theory games. And like one of the things that they do is they just make uh, poker chips for like all of the kind of life counters and stuff so that you can always handle the poker chips as you lay out the board game. So if, um, just they somehow they integrate like dozens of poker chips stacked up on each other into all of their games for like different characters and stuff. And it's interesting because they just determine that people really like the tactile nature mm-hmm. of it. And I do think sometimes that like, part of what attracted me to just sitting there playing poker for hours, you know, out in Las Vegas was like having those chips. Chips, there, yeah. Know, these fancy colors, they look nice. As our as our wedding uh like gift to, you know, to the guests, we Beth and I almost had those like challenge coins made. Um that for for every for everybody. Um but instead, we we got everybody $5 scratch tickets. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. that's and right. Noah, I think Noah hit for five hundred. I believe, uh, I believe on the way home, Peaches hit for five hundred. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what we were hoping for. That someone, you know, if you if you had that many that many people going at him, someone would hit. Yeah, I do remember. That. <laughs> uh, all right, and let's uh, let's end with uh, sixty six. Root. Root sixty six. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I used to play uh, bingo, and uh, there was this place in Sea Island, Georgia. We played bingo, and they had a guy named Billy Bingo. <laughs> Billy Bingo would like he'd dress up in a fancy blazer, and he'd go in there and he'd call the numbers out in bingo. And he had like he had all these uh, catchphrases, you know. So he'd pull out, um, he'd pull out B. He'd be like under the four B. Or I'm sorry, under the B four. Haven't we met before? <laughs> and I uh, would have all those. And and uh, when I was a kid, like I twenty three skidoo, which I don't okay. know what that means. Don't know what it means. But that was the big one. And then when I came back as a teenager, and then later in life, like oh boy, the kids love oh clickety click sixty six. Don't know why. <laughs> don't know how it came together, but. I'll never, I'll never think of anything different for sixty-six. I've heard theories on twenty-three skidoo. One of them had to do with the Flatiron Building in New York, I believe. Um, that there was something to do with. I think it's, I think its address is twenty-three, whatever street it's on. But I, 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 I have a lot of books on phrase origins, and I think that's that's one of the ones I heard. Um, oh, you know, it's a minor pet peeve of mine when people do fictional bingo games or when people improvise a bingo game and they just they call a number that is definitely not under that number. That they didn't realize, like, 1 through 15, 16 through 30, 31 through 45, and then they call a B, you know, a, a 66 number under the under the eyes or whatever. Like, it grates at me. you never see me make that mistake, T- Neither here. It's an amateur move. Nor here, uh, my friend. You know, uh, very frustrating. <laughs> but yeah, I, 
I mean, you know, you might see me have to think for a second. I'm like, under the G56. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 56. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember Billy Bingo was like kind of drunk, I think, one time. And he was like, he was getting into some some of the deep cuts that he didn't normally get. But he was like, under the B9, the tumor is. Uh, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Here's the situation. You're visited by uh, by an uh, an old uh, an old acquaintance. The sympathy imp walks up to you. Yes, I like the sympathy imp. He, but he's in he's in kind of a different move. He's he's a little contemplative, and so he says to you, Rush. He says emotional pain. This is under numb numb er numb more numb. Emotional pain can be a, a a great teacher, Rush. It can lead to works of great art and shared understanding between people. But you know you now have forty something years of some, you know, instances of emotional pain. He says, I can turn that off if you'd like. I can make you numb to all future emotional pain. You'd still feel physical pain and all your other emotions, just not the hurt and sadness of uh, of your feelings. Are you interested at all in that offer? Yes. Would you take him up flat on it? So I still have... The highs, as yep. far as I know. Yep. You still have anger. Uh, you still have, you know, it's just basically emotional pain and sadness would be, you know, would be removed from uh, from your palate. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I I would want, I'd say, it's usually the empathy empathy. Is this sympathy or empathy empathy? Uh, he's a, I, well, maybe it's his cousin. I forgot that it was the empathy. I'm so today. He's the, today's the sympathy. Imp. Maybe it's his cousin. Sympathy. Imp. So I'm like sympathy. Imp, if you don't mind, and I know you won't because you have sympathy for me. Um, would you give me like a weekend to think about it? Because I yeah. need to, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd want to think a little, a, a little bit about it. I mean, you know, there's all those cliches about like, look, the highs don't mean as much without the lows or whatever, but th- this is almost specifically saying that won't be the case because you'll still get to feel the high the emotional highs you know without the lows yeah i certainly don't enjoy emotional pain i'm not sure that it's like that catharsis is like a necessary part of my life I'm, i might just prefer to not have those horrible feelings at the same time um that's kind of what that's a key thing to separate you from being a sociopath right and so you know i would worry a little bit about um uh, deterrence, right? Like, uh, is there a deterrent effect that's um, that's uh, y- you know impacting my behavior um, gotcha. in, in a good way? Where where I'm I'm not doing certain things because if I if I did them, it might lead to emotional pain. But I think I think it's probably more likely the opposite, where I maybe am not taking on certain uh, challenges or opportunities because. Um, I don't really think I make a whole lot of decisions based on like thinking about the emotional pain um, that, that that that's coming down the road, you know, based on that decision. But I mean, my gut is that I would just prefer to be to be rid of that. He move forward. I mean, like if you came to me and you said it was different hemp, and he said, uh, I, "I promise you'll never get any blisters the rest of your life." You know, you just mm-hmm. get rid of blisters. Great. Not that I'm like you know covered in blisters, blisters right? yep. but I, I'm just thinking about it because I have one right now. Um, and I'm very happy 
hopefully be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I don't think life needs its blisters in order for me to, you know, experience the rest of, uh, of the good things. So I don't know. What if he said you can definitely, he says, what if he said you can definitely think about it, but also he says, what if I can make it for one year and you can turn it on when you want to and it will last one year. You'll be, you'll, you won't have to worry about any kind of emotional pain or distress after the end of that year, everything's going to come back. Um, I think I'm going to probably pass okay. one year version because, you know, then it, then it's, it might, it might, it might be pretty bad to have like a really, even keel nice year where you never feel bad about anything and then and then it comes back it might it might hit you back hard what if he uh, says a week i can give you uh i can give you a a week of it no i'll try i'll try anything for a week okay <laughs> he says what if i could 10 times heighten the vicarious pleasure you take in others joy and successes but i can only do it to 10 times would you want 10 times the vicarious pleasure of your friends achievements yeah, I think so. Okay. And lastly, he's like, and, and this I'm just curious. This isn't an offer. Who is um, someone whose pain and joy you think you feel most strongly in your life? Mm, that's difficult. That's difficult because... Hmm, I, 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 you know, I, I would want to say like, my mom and dad, but that's not really, I, I, I'm hesitant to even say that about my mom. I mean, my mom has to go through all of this. Uh, I mean, my mom has MS and has to go through all these uh, extreme physical, mental, everything else challenges that are associated with that. So I don't want to pretend like I don't feel my mom's pain. I don't, I don't have to go through it and I don't, uh, uh, but I, you know, very, very close with her. And I, um, you know, I, I certainly, if I, if there's one person that I was able to just get rid of, um, you know, just if, if she could just kind of walk normally and feel good and not have to go through all that, that would be, uh, I would, I would be very, very, very happy to, to, for that to be able to happen. But, um, you know, maybe more on like the emotional side, I guess sometimes I, I get there, but I, I'm not sure that I, uh, can claim to really truly like totally get anybody else's pain. You know, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, think, I think maybe with people with kids, it's a little bit easier gotcha, uh, right. to say because you know, you, you, you're in a controlling position, uh, for them. But sometimes I'm surprised. Uh, like if you would ask me of like, uh, T, how do you consider these two friends? I'd be like, just about even, I, I would say I'm equal friends with them. And then something good will happen to, you know, to one of them. And I'll be like, that's cool. And, and, but something good happens to the other one. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. That's great. Sometimes I get surprised by how, um, I don't know how, how vicariously joyful I, I get for, for someone where it just hits me. We're like, that's phenomenal. That's great for them. I'm that, that couldn't happen to a better person. That's, that's perfect. And then someone else who I thought was like right around that area, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. You know, even if it was the the thing they got, whatever was of uh, was of equal magnitude, I'm like, ah, oh, cool. I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't feel 
an equal level of empathy with two people that I thought I felt an equal level of empathy for. Yeah. It is a nice feeling when you have that moment though, where, you know, some friend of yours gets, you know, something good happens for them yeah. and you are, you, you feel, I mean, it, it, like what I'm going to say is, it sounds terrible, but like, you're worried that you won't actually be happy and you'll have to right. kind of fake it. Right. And then you yep. don't, and you're actually happy. There's like a nice feeling. Uh-huh. And that, even that feeling is selfish. Yeah. Cause right. you're like, ah, <laughs> I like that. I feel good about that. It makes me feel better about myself. A fellow we just talked yeah. to for our, for our uh, anniversary episode. If we found out that three case clay and three chimneys has the breeding rights to the next Derby winner, we would be unadulteratedly thrilled for him with absolute purity. I I, I think we can say that, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yes, yeah. totally unsurprised. They they yeah. often get that <laughs> right? because they're a great, absolutely great uh, stables down there in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, or near it, near Lexington. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, would be very happy for. Or case or any of the guests that we recently had. <laughs> True. Any guests I hope Andy gets the breeding there. rights to the next Derby winner as well. I, you know, I think, I think Andy would. Uh, yeah, but, weird, but we'd be happy uh, for him. We sure would be happy for him. I actually, this could be a little weird. I might be happier for Andy. That might be. Case because it, <laughs> it would just be such a. It would be such a surprise. Uh, those beautiful uh, babies. Uh, those beautiful. Those beautiful little Saint Clairs. If if they were. Part. Well, as we talked about, <laughs> Andy, when Andy lived in my closet of my room, right. it was previously a dog breed. <laughs> right. So, you know, it seems overdue. Uh, you got you got one more rush. Uh well, I think we we're we're pushing on time a little bit, and I had one that was pretty similar to one you had. So instead, I'll just tell a very brief story, and then we'll come back to the one at the top. Sounds great. That I did want to say because of cooler, I wanted to mention. <laughs> My friend Tony Orlandi, who I went to law school with, uh, when we were, I, I think he was over 30 years old, I went to uh, Boston, where he lived at the time, and I went, and he had a roommate, and we went into his house, and it was very hot in his house, and he said, the air conditioning is broken, and Cooler made me think of this, that the air, air conditioner is broken, we don't know what to do about it, and one of our guys, one of our friends, is like pretty mechanically inclined, so we walk into, we walk into the living room. And there, like on the floor, is the is the is the non-functioning air conditioner. It's it's plugged in, but just sitting there in the middle of the floor. And he's like, "Yeah." And the guy's like taking a look at it, and you know, kind of opening it up a little bit, and like saying, you know, this and that and the other. And he's like, and and then it's it slowly becomes clear that Tony, thirty-year-old Tony, Lee, no. Uh, who doesn't listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure. But if he does, he's a good guy and he'll get a kick out of this. Tony uh, was unaware they, that the no. air conditioning unit no. would not work <laughs> absent being put out into the window. <laughs> and just thought it operated like a space heater. And then it was just like a cold fusion machine that you could just put on the floor I... and would just keep the whole room cool. And he's like, it's just very frustrating because you can feel like a little bit of the cold air, but then it's just very hot around it. You know? And uh, I never, I can never think of coolers and air conditioners why, without thinking of why wouldn't a space cooler work like a space heater? You know, I, I can, yeah. I can see his, I can see his logic for sure. Yeah, I mean, but how could like he just, he just, he just thought that the world why everyone the world right, over just, is like you know, I 
<laughs> just they put it in the windows just, just to get it out of the way. Yeah, he thought they put it in the windows just like like because it was like a shelf, right? It's just I yeah. can get it up off the floor. I don't I don't I don't bang into it in the night. And... <laughs> All right, Rush, we're back to the top. So here's the situation. You get to be on a rerun of Card Sharks. So if anyone has not yes. seen Card Sharks, um, what the contestants are presented with are a survey, and uh, and then um, they have to kind of place a number as to how many respondents out of a hundred uh, agreed with the premise of the of the survey. So what's going to happen in this rush is I'm going to give you the survey and tell you what the first contestant, uh, what the what number the first contestant put on it. And I want to hear just a, a little explanation as to why you're going to go higher or lower than that number. I love it. Okay. I love the game show card sharks. Great. So here we go, Rush. Rush, we asked 100 experienced zookeepers, even after years of working with them, are you still frightened of the gorillas? The first contestant said 72 experienced zookeepers said yes, they're still a little frightened of the gorillas. Under. I mean, these are professionals. They've been around these animals. I mean, look, there's a difference between being frightened and, and taking like safety precautions. I don't think they're frightened. They're zookeepers. Gorillas are great. Under. Okay, great. Thank you. We're not gonna we're not gonna show any results. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep on popping okay. through surveys. Rush, we asked 100 gamblers. How many of you have felt like you were going to lose on the way to the casino and you went and gambled anyway? Our first contestant said 42. Said yes. They felt on the way there like, ah, I'm going to lose tonight, and they went anyway. Not bad, but I'm going to take the under. Okay. Um, I think like a true I gambler. Think like a true gambler. Taking the under. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Rush, we asked 100 old-timey sailors if the sea is a fickle bitch or a gentle mistress. The first contestant said 82 old-timey sailors said the sea is a fickle bitch. Uh, I don't know they would use exactly that phrase, but but as between those two, I'm going to say higher. (laughs) Rush, we asked 100 people over 100 years old if they've ever described something as a tough racket. Uh, The first contestant said 91. 91 people over 100 have at least at some point described something as that's a tough racket. Oh, my God. There's no way that over 90 of the over 100-year-olds like filled out the survey correctly. So I'm going to take the under the anything. Under. You're asking for 91 or more. Under. Hard under on that. All right. And here's your last one, Rush. We asked 100 people if they could be guaranteed to live to the age of 75 if they would take that right now. We asked 100 people under the age of 75 um, if they would be guaranteed to live to the age of 75. Would they take that right now? Contestant one said 40 out of 100 said, yes, I'll take that right now. They're guaranteed they will die at the age of 75. Yep. They will live to be they will live to be 75 years old, but no more. Under, baby. The same people that don't think they're going to lose <laughs> on the way to the casino think they're going to make it past 75. <laughs> There you go. It's a real good, a real good gambler, a real good gambler's answer. Um, so I think that I think that's the show. So we're gonna thank Nate, and we're gonna thank uh, Julie, and we're gonna thank Emily. We're gonna let you know you can get in touch with us at here's the situation podcast at gmail.com. And well, let's say let's let's plug this rush. Next week we're gonna try an episode that's a little different than any that we've that we've done before, right? 
That's right. So normally uh, we do about four situations each. We take some time to talk through them. Next week we're going to do the first part of something we're going to call uh, the short and the long of it, where we're going to do a bunch of quick hitters, maybe as much as 50 uh, quick hitters, and then uh, maybe a week or two after that we'll come back and some of the ones that tickled us and we want to spend a little more time with, we will. But next week, come come for some hot, fast, I mean, frankly, it's hot plot. <laughs> <laughs> next week will be episode one of Hot Plots. <laughs> basically, it's Hot Plots next week. Can't wait. Uh, talk to you then. <laughs>